Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. This morning, appreciate the presence of the Lord that we feel. Amen. How disappointing would it be if we came to the house of the Lord and didn't feel the presence of the Lord? Amen. But I'm thankful to feel his touch and his presence in this place today. Amen. Thankful for the opportunity to be in his house. Praise God. A lot of places we could be this morning. Amen. But I would say that there is no better place to be than in the house of the Lord. Amen. To be in the presence of God. There's a lot of people that strive to be in the presence of what we feel are great individuals, great people, powerful people. But I would say that Jesus said there is all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Amen. He has all power. We are in the presence of the most powerful being. And that is God himself. Praise God. Amen. If you would turn with me this morning in your Bibles, the book of Mark, chapter number 6. Amen. I am going to do my best to not be long this morning. Amen. I was accused of being long-winded Thursday night. Praise God. And, uh, I was a little bit. Amen. But, but I finished exactly at 9 o'clock. It's not my fault that I was handed it a little bit early. <laughs> Praise God. Mark chapter 6 and verse number, I don't plan to go till 9 o'clock right now, so just rest easy. Amen. But Mark chapter 6 and verse 1 says that he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this? is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands is not this the carpenter the son of mary and the brother of james and joseph and judah and simon are not his sisters here with us and they were offended at him but jesus said unto them a prophet is not without honor but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house and he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hand upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Praise God. For a little bit this morning, simply want to preach on missed opportunities. Missed opportunities. Amen. Can you lift your hands? Ask the Lord to have his way in this house today. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that we feel in this place. God, we thank you. For your touch today, God, we need your help today, Lord. I need you so desperately, God. I pray that you would just have your way, every heart, every soul, God, that our ears would be open to your voice, God, to your word today. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, take every thought into captivity, God, that you might have your way in this place, God. We give you praise. We thank you for your touch. Thank you for your presence, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. And you may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. I, I, I'm going to tell a little story here, and I will give me a little disclaimer at the beginning, and I'll pr hope that there's no anti-hunters here. Amen. If they are, plug your ears for the next few minutes, because I'm going to tell a hunting story. But it was a few years ago, uh, now that I think about it, it was over 20 years ago, but I was hunting with my father and my uncle, my grandpa, we were out in the woods archery hunting in eastern Oregon. 
and uh, we had it's middle of the afternoon, and that's not exactly usually the best time to hunt. So we was out driving around in the truck, looking in different places that we hadn't been in this area of the woods. And we were driving down this road, and we come around this bend, and just off the road was the biggest mule deer buck that I have ever seen from since, except for the dead ones that are in Cabela's in the the mule deer museum. But that was the largest thing I had ever seen, and. Uh, and I remember I said, this one's mine, and I jumped out of the truck, and my dad bailed out with me, and my uncle drove off and left us sitting there. And we began to, this guy had run off a little ways, and we began to sneak through the woods after him, and, uh, and finally got to this one place where there was a big clearing, and the deer was on one side, and I was on the other, and he had me dead to rights. I was pegged. I couldn't move. And I looked at him. I'm holding my bow, and I'm like, I can do this from here. I told dad, I whispered to him, I said, I'm going to take this shot. And he said, okay. So I drew back, and I aimed, and I... I let fire. My arrow clattered about where his feet were. Praise God. And uh, he ran off, none the worse for wear. And I sat there with great disappointment because of a missed opportunity. Amen. You see, I never saw that deer again. I never had that opportunity to take that shot. I didn't get to redo it. Because he wasn't dumb enough to stand there and let me shoot at him twice. Hey Amen. He said, you missed me once, too bad, I'm gone. And he hit high gear about three steps into it. Hey Amen. Last time I saw him, Dallas disappeared down this canyon and it was over with. It was done. Hey Amen. Because I had missed an opportunity. Now, I, I have a good excuse. My bow was messed up. I ended up missing an elk the next day, and me and Dad finally got to working on my bow and realized I had a part that had gone bad, which was making my arrow shoot down. And so we fixed that, but we fixed it two days too late for me. Hey, man, I didn't get another opportunity like that and never have to this day. It was a one-time deal, I guess, but it was a missed opportunity. I heard a story one time about a, a man that pastored down in southwest Missouri Amen. Way back many years ago. And he had a good friend. Amen. A hunting buddy or a fishing buddy that uh, came to him one time and asked for him if he would be willing to invest in a store that he wanted to start. And, and he, he said, no. Nah. He said, man, I don't want to throw my money away. And he's like, well, come on. And this guy tried to talk to him and, and tried and tried and tried. And he would not do it. And, uh, and to make a long story short, this man ended up starting a store. And, uh, and it has grown astronomically. That man was Sam Walton. Amen. And, uh, and he, of course, was the one that began what we know as Walmart. Amen. This man had an opportunity, in the, and in the years to go by, according to the story that I heard, uh, Sam Walton would call him up and say, Hey, you know that piece that I offered you for a few thousand dollars? Uh, it's worth this many millions now. Praise God. But it was a missed opportunity. Amen. Because there's some times in life that there's an opportunity shows up. But if we delay, if we step back, if we're not willing to take advantage of it right then, it's an opportunity that passes away. And it's all we look back in life and look back in time. And all we have is a story of a missed opportunity. Hallelujah. Amen. I want to tell you today, I don't know everybody here, and uh, I don't know what you've brought with you to the house of the Lord today. Uh, I don't know what your need is. I don't know what the desire of your heart is. Uh, but I want to tell you the answer that you're looking for is in this house today. Uh, amen. You have an opportunity in this place uh, where God can come and meet uh, your need. Uh, amen. Where God can come down and help you uh, to grow in Him uh, and to strengthen yourself in 
in him. If you're here looking for a healing, I want to tell you that the healer is in the house. If you're looking for provision, that provider is here. If you're looking for joy or peace or happiness, I want to tell you the answer is in this house today. We have an opportunity today that if we'll reach out and get a hold of him, we can leave this house different than what we came. We can leave without a burden. We can leave with deliverance. We can leave with provision. We can leave with peace way down in our heart. We can leave with joy overflowing, joy unspeakable, and full of glory. Hallelujah. The answer is in this place. The answer is in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. That Jesus, who we, we read in the Gospels of the many wonderful things uh, that he performed, the miracles, uh, amen, of healing, the miracles of deliverance, uh, the miracles of feeding the 5,000, uh, amen, so many amazing things that he did. But one day he went home. Amen. Went home to his own country. Amen. And he began to talk and begin to teach. And all they could think about was, is not this the carpenter? Is not this the one that we once grow from a little boy? Is this not that one? Uh, we know his brothers. We know his sisters. Who does he think he is? And because of their unbelief, he could do no mighty work. His power wasn't changed. His ability was unchanged. He was the same Jesus that had opened blinded eyes. He was the same one that cleansed the leper. He's the same one that opened the withered hand. Uh, he's the same one that touched the woman with the issue of blood. He's the same one that multiplied that food. He, I tell you, he's the same power and the same ability. Uh, but there was one thing missing. He was in a land where they could not get over who they thought he was. And they could not get over their unbelief. I would even go so far as to say that there without a doubt was folks there that needed a touch from God. We know that he healed a few sick folk. There was a few that came with faith. But I want to tell you that everywhere he went, there was a lot of folks needing touched. So the need was there. Amen. That need for a touch, that need for a healing, it was there. But unbelief caused them to miss an opportunity. And he was unable to do anything. Though they were sitting there looking at the greatest opportunity of their life. The greatest opportunity that they would ever see was standing right before them. But their unbelief caused them to leave that place the same way as they came. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, the Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he was able to heal when he was walking on this earth, amen, when there was dust on his feet and he was there living amongst us, and uh, if he was able to heal then, I want to tell you, he can heal today. Amen. If he could deliver back then, he can deliver right now. There is nothing hindering or stopping him. Uh, the only thing that can stop him is our own unbelief. 
amen, and the reason why too often uh, we still carry those burdens uh, is because we have a little bit of doubt uh, that creeps in our mind, uh, that little bit of unbelief. Uh, but today, can we throw that away uh, and take advantage of the opportunity uh, that's looking us right in the face? Uh, we are in the presence uh, of the Almighty God. Uh, we are in the presence uh, of an awesome God. Uh, he's our healer, our deliverer, our provider. Uh, it's your opportunity to be different. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not trying to be negative today. Amen. But a few illustrations I want to use. Stories from the word of the Lord. Amen. Of missed opportunities. Amen. We find Paul a prisoner in Acts chapter 24. Amen. The Jews have been trying to kill him. They were trying to, amen, extinguish him, if you would. They were tired of what he preached, tired of what he was teaching. They didn't like it, and, uh, and they were trying to remove him. So if we can put it this way, we find him in protective custody. Amen. In Acts 24 and 24, amen, there came a day after certain days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, amen, which was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Amen. He gave Paul an opportunity to come and to, and to talk to him of the things of the Lord, of his faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Amen. He said, when there's a convenient day, uh, amen, I'm going to call for you because there's something about what you're saying. Uh, amen. He began to tremble uh, when he began to think of what was to come. Uh, when he thought of righteousness, temperance, and judgment that was to come. Amen. They began to tremble. Why? Because he knew things probably weren't going to go too good for him. But he, he said, go away. And when I have a convenient season... I will call for thee. Verse 26 gives a little understanding for why he did that. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul that he might loose him. He was looking for a bribe. Looking for some temporal things, if you would. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. Amen. He finally figured, man, the more I talk to him, the more chance I might get that he'll bribe me to let him go. But after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room. And Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. An opportunity was looking at Felix. He had an opportunity not only to let Paul go, but he had an opportunity, amen, to heed and to hear and to live what Paul was telling him. I believe it was an old-fashioned thing called conviction uh, that had him trembling. Uh, he began to realize that not everything was right uh, with his life uh, and that there was some change that needed to take place. Uh, but the problem was it was not convenient uh, to the plans of Felix. Uh, it wasn't convenient to the day that he was living in. Uh, so he said, hey, come back some other time uh, when it's more convenient. But I want to tell you that just because it's not convenient to, to our plans right now does not mean that the opportunity will ever arise again. Hey man, how many times have we heard the words, oh, if you were just here a few minutes ago. But we weren't. We missed an opportunity. 
Hey, man, someone invites you over and you're a little bit late and you show up and the good ice cream's gone. Oh, man, you should have been here a few minutes ago. Hey, man, that's, I'm telling you what, that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> Praise God. It's like, why didn't you eat the broccoli first and leave the ice cream? Amen. But, but there's missed opportunities. And a lot of times the reason we miss these opportunities is because of a little thing that we call convenience. It's not convenient to what we want to do right now. It's not convenient to my plans for right now. But I want to tell you that when the, when the opportunity arises, no matter where we are in life, uh, no matter what the plans are, no matter what the situation is, uh, when that opportunity arises, uh, we better take advantage uh, when the opportunity is still there. Or we just have those moments of regret looking back at the wasted opportunity. Amen. We jump ahead in the book of Acts, two chapters, and we find Paul still in jail, still locked up. But this time, amen, he is allowed to speak before this man called Festus and before King Agrippa. And as he begins to tell them his story, his testimony of how he was that great persecutor of, the, of, the, of this way, of, these, of this apostolic church, and he persecuted it, and he was, he was fighting against it. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He, he knew the law inside and out. Uh, amen. He was very zealous for that, uh, and he was going about doing his job with everything he had when he was on that road to Damascus, and a bright light shone down from heaven and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And Saul, who came, Paul, he, he said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. And he simply said, What would you have me to do? And he sent him somewhere where he was preached to. And Paul was converted. And Paul went out into a wilderness somewhere where revelation began to come. And finally, he began to teach and to preach and to spread the truth and the gospel throughout the known world. And as he's explaining all of this to Festus and Agrippa, amen, in verse 24 of Acts 26, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. You are crazy. Amen. I've been told that a time or two. Amen. You're crazy. You're, you're mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest then in my opinion, some of the saddest words written in the word of God in verse 28. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. This close. Almost. Almost. Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am. Accept these bonds. Festus thought he was crazy. Agrippa was almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. 
You know, we have no record anywhere that Felix or Agrippa ever had another opportunity. Praise God. They had an opportunity, but it became a wasted opportunity. Praise God. Amen. How does the saying go? You have to strike while the iron is hot. Amen. When that opportunity is there, it must be taken advantage of. There's a few stories also I'd like to look at this morning. Amen. That have a different, different ending. There was a man named at birth named Jacob. His brother was Esau. That word Jacob means supplanter. Supplanter means to take the place of, to replace something by trickery or force. And Jacob lived his name. Amen. There was the day that his brother was out in the field hunting. He saw out hunting. Amen. He saw being the firstborn just by a few moments. And, uh, and there was Jacob back at camp as he always was. Esau was in the field. Jacob was at the tents. And, uh, and Jacob was there making some lentils, some beans, and some porridge, whatever it was. And, and Esau came in. He was hungry. He'd been out working. He was, he was hungry. He thought he was dying. He was so hungry. And finally Jacob looked at him and he said, man, give me some of those lentils. He said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, sir, these are mine. You go find yourself something. He's like, don't you care I'm about to die? He said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. He said, I'll give you some of this if you give me your birthright. And he finally convinced him to give up his birthright for a bowl of beans. He said, well, what does it matter if I die? I'm not going to have a birthright anyways. Give me those beans. And by trickery, if you would, he took his birthright. But that wasn't the end of the story. Because there was Isaac getting towards the end of his life. And, uh, and he was getting, it was time to bestow the blessing upon his firstborn. And, uh, and he calls for Esau. He said, hey, I want you to go out there and get some venison uh, and make that savory meat that I love. And when I've eaten, I will bless you. I'm going to pray that blessing over you. And, uh, and so Esau goes out in the field to try to find him some venison. Amen. But there was someone standing nearby that heard those words. Amen. And mama heard them. And she said, uh-uh, I want Jacob to get this blessing. So she comes to Jacob and says, here's the problem. We get, he's going out there to get this venison. He said, she said, and when he comes back, he's going to get the blessing. Uh, and Jacob said, what can I do? Uh, and she said, we're going to take care of it. She said, I'm going to go make some meat. I know how to make it. I'm going to go kill a kid. I can, I can make it taste just like Esau's venison. And you're going to take it into him and get the blessing. And Jacob said, we got a small problem. I'm smooth-skinned. And Esau's a hairy man. He's going to know right away. She said, don't worry about it. They took the fur off that goat, and they stuck it on his hands in the back of his neck. I'm just telling you, Esau was a hairy man. <laughs> Praise God. And he put on Esau's garments that would smell, amen, like the smoke of the field, that would smell like a hunter. Amen. And he gets that finished, and he comes in, and he, he says, wow, you're back fast. He said, well, the Lord brought him to me. And, uh, and he said, well, he said, come near to me. And he came near to him. He said, man, you sound like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. 
and he, he blessed him, amen, with the blessing of the firstborn. And he's just got his blessing and leaves when here comes Esau with his venison. He walks in and wants a blessing, but the blessing is already gone because of a supplanter. By trickery. And Jacob, of course, has to run for his life. And there he goes to his mother's family. And, uh, and uh, then he gets it turned around on him, if you would. Because this man has two daughters and he desires one. And, uh, and he said, okay, you work seven years and I'll give her to you. And so he works seven years. Uh, they have their marriage feast. He wakes up the next morning with the wrong daughter. Well, that's what my Bible says anyways. He wasn't very happy. So he goes to his father-in-law. He says, well, she was the oldest, and the oldest has to get married first. He goes, but work seven more years, and you can have the other one too. And so he worked seven more years, and he married them both, and then he worked seven more years, and he's 20 years there. And, he, and, he, and finally his father-in-law said, man, he said, he said, he said I'm going to leave. He said, that's how I'm going to make my own way. And he said, well, he said, just stay here, blah, blah, blah. And he makes a story. And so, and so finally Jacob says, he makes a deal with him. He says, man, let me have all your sheep that are, that are spotted, that have this and have these markings and this color. And, uh, and, you know, they're not the good ones. And so he said, okay, that's fine. I'll do that. Well, then Jacob goes out and he kind of poisons the water, if you would, and causes all these marks to show up until his herds were bigger than his father-in-law's. That's not a good way to make friends. Amen. And to get your father-in-law to love you. And so his brothers-in-law and his, his relatives were really upset with him. Amen. Thinking that he was stealing from his father-in-law, which in some ways he was. And so the day finally came. He said, it's time to get out of here. And so he doesn't even tell anybody. He just packs up his family, packs up his tents, gets his herds, and he skedaddles. He runs for his life. And, uh, and he's on the way back home. And all of a sudden, news comes to him. Guess who's coming to visit, Jacob? Esau is on his way with a lot of men. And Jacob's like, oh boy. All of a sudden, the bowl of beans comes back to mind. The stolen blessing comes back to mind. And he's like, he is going to kill me. And so he sent out gift after gift after gift that as Esau came, there was a gift showed up. He'd get that one, he'd go on a little ways further. Another one came, another one came, another one came. In Genesis 32 and verse 22, amen, Esau's right there. And he said he rose up that night and took his two wives, his two woman servants, his 11 sons, and passed over the four Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And there he was all alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, this is talking of the man he's wrestling, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Amen. I've never had a dislocated hip, and I pray, hope that I never have one. Because I've heard it's very painful. And here he is wrestling, and, uh, and that can be painful enough. And he's been wrestling all night long. But I want to tell you, Jacob saw an opportunity. Jacob saw an opportunity, and he said, uh-uh, I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to give up. Uh, amen. And, he, and his side was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Uh, and he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. This is my opportunity. This is my chance, and I'm not going to let go of it. I'm not going to give up. Amen. Until I get my blessing. I'm not going 
going to stop. I'm going to keep on fighting. I don't care what time it is. I don't care how long it's been. I'm not going to quit until I have my blessing. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with man, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. And he said, wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. He said, I don't care how long I have to fight. I don't care how long I have to wrestle. I'm not leaving until I have my blessing. He showed up at that place as a supplanter. He showed up that way, if we can just put it in our modern vernacular, as a cheater. As a thief, if you would. Amen. Not somebody you wanted to deal with. Amen. He was a cheater, but he left there as a prince that had power with God and with man. He came as a supplanter, and he left as a blessed man. Hallelujah. I want to tell you what he did is he saw an opportunity, and he said, no, I can't take a chance. I've got to get it right now. I've got to get my blessing today. I don't care how much you want to go. I'm not leaving till you bless me. I'm not leaving until I have what I need. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this morning that your answer's here, but you got to reach out and get a hold of it. You got to reach out and grab a hold of it, and you can walk out the door with your blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. A couple of familiar stories from the New Testament. Amen. There was a blind man sitting by the roadside begging. Amen. I believe that at this point in time, in Mark chapter 10, that Jesus was already much talked about. Amen. His fame was being spread abroad and the things, uh, the mighty things that God was doing. Amen. Was going spreading everywhere. And this man, Jesus, uh, oh, I tell you what, there was story being told after story after story of all the great things that were happening. Maybe he was laying in his bed some night, if I can use some creative imagination right now, but I wonder how many times he sat there thinking, man, if only I could see this man. If only he would pass by me. Amen. I might have my sight. Amen. If only he would come by here. Amen. Where I could reach out and get a hold of him. I wouldn't have to be blind anymore. And one day, an opportunity showed up. In Mark 10 and 46, when they came to Jericho, as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, a son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. Everybody around him just wanted him to be quiet. Everybody around him just wanted him to be there and be what he was and be who he was. Here's a blind man. Lord, man, just sit there and be quiet, man. You're bugging me. You're hurting my ears. 
You're not even yelling in the right direction. But he said, I don't care what anybody else says. I've got to get a hold of him. Somehow, I've got to get his attention. And he began to cry out, the more, a great deal. His opportunity was walking by. And if he didn't somehow get his attention and stop him in the way, it was going to be a missed opportunity. It didn't matter that his friends were trying to get him to be quiet. The ones he sat by and and those ones around him didn't matter to him. Uh, Opportunity was there and he was going to take advantage of his opportunity. Verse 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? What do you want? What is this need that's got you screaming by the roadside? The blind man said, and you know, it was obvious to Jesus what his need was. He knew he was a blind man. But he made him ask, what wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, go thy way, thy faith, thy faith. You know the difference between them, the the ones that walked away unhealed and the ones that walked away healed was faith. There's a difference between unbelief and faith. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. An opportunity was seized. As I was studying this today, this morning, uh, it began to run through my mind. I began to wonder how many of those that were sitting by him telling him to be quiet. I wonder how many of them had needs as well. Well, amen, I doubt he was the only one begging that day. He wasn't the only one there that had a dire need. But he was one that didn't let the opportunity pass on by. Instead of all those trying to silence him, they should have been crying out for mercy as well. Because an opportunity was there. Bartimaeus went home that day for the first time in his life, being able to see where he was going. Well, all because he seized an opportunity. It was that woman that had been sick 12 years with an issue of blood. Amen. This was not a woman that was just sitting back complaining about her situation, but she was doing everything she could to fix it, if you would. Seeking a cure the entire time. She spent everything she had on physicians. Everything. Mark 5 and 25, a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better, but rather grew Worse, this is not a good place to be in. Because now she's spent everything. She doesn't have anything left. So the next doctor that comes to town, she's not going to be able to afford to go to him. She's done. And she's actually worse than she was in the beginning. When she had heard of Jesus... 
when she had heard of Jesus. She heard the stories. She heard the miracles. When she had heard of Jesus. When she knew that Jesus was coming through town. That the opportunity was walking down the street. When she heard of Jesus came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. There was a whole lot of faith that rose up inside of her. She said, I don't need to stop him. I, I don't need to get him and bother him. I, I just get close enough to reach out and touch him. If somehow I can get through the press of the crowd and just touch him, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? This tells me it was not easy for her to get to him. There was a lot of things going on in this story. He's on the way. Jairus had come by and his daughter was sick unto death. He was trying to get to his home that he might touch her. Amen. Which he went on and did. He touched her and lifted her up. She was raised from the dead. Okay. But that's where he's headed. So he's on a mission. And there's all these people thronging about him. And then another condition that this woman had is because of the physical condition, she was also unclean by law. And anything she touched was unclean. But she didn't let that stop her. She didn't let the crowd stop her. She didn't let the fact that he was going somewhere stop her. Because she knew that that day was her opportunity. That that moment was the time that she had to touch him. Amen. I don't know if it's in her mind. She didn't know if he was coming by again. Didn't know if she'd have the strength to, to fight the crowd again. She just knew that I've got to touch him today. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing that what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole. Of thy plague. Opportunity was there. So she said, I've got to touch him today. I've got to touch him today. I've got to get a hold of him today. I just got to touch that hem of his garment today. I can't wait till tomorrow. I can't wait till next time he passes through town. I've got to touch him today. My opportunity is here right now. And I've got to take advantage of this opportunity. She was tired of her condition, tired of that weakening state of her body. She said, he is my answer. He is the answer, and I've got to touch him. The answer's here today if we'll just reach out and touch him. The answer's passing through this place right now if we'll reach out and touch him. Hey, man, she didn't even bother telling him what her need was. She didn't have to. She just had to touch him. Doesn't matter how big or small that need you have today is. Amen. The answer is passing through this place 
if we'll reach out and touch him. Amen. Some of the last words of Jesus to his disciples are written in Luke 24, verse 46. Said unto them, Thus it is written, Thus it behooved Christ to suffer, to rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Jesus had promised them all this. This promise was coming. Amen. This promise was coming. He said, I have been with you. I shall be in you. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And then he here he tells him, he said, man, he said, I'm telling you, there, there's things that are going to happen. You're going to preach repentance in my name. You're going to do all these things. He said, but the promise is going to come first. So go tarry in Jerusalem. Go wait. Amen. Your opportunity's here. So go wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And then he was caught up in the air and they watched him ascend up into heaven. And there they went to Jerusalem rejoicing. And they were there together in what we call the upper room. Amen. And they were spending time together. I believe that they had been praying. They were spending time in communion with God. They were no doubt singing songs. Amen. Enjoying being together. In Acts 2 and 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah, there was 120 in that upper room when that day fully came, that day of Pentecost came. They were together in one mind and one accord, and the promise came. That promise was delivered. Amen, that moment of opportunity came, and there were 120 that were there in that moment that were filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, there were many others. Amen, that were there that day that he told them to go tarry. Amen, but they weren't there. Well, but there were 120 that said, I'm not going to let this opportunity go by. He said, tarry until. So I'm going to tarry until. I'm not leaving this place until. Amen, the promise comes. I'm not leaving this place until I'm endued with power from on high. Amen, that opportunity is here. And I'm not leaving without reading my need. Amen. I know that he's been with us, but he's gone now. But I want him to be in me. I want that promise inside of me. I want that spirit of God dwelling in my heart. Hallelujah. Because of their obedience, amen, the opportunity was turned into reality. Amen. That opportunity did not end that moment, though. That opportunity continued. Amen. They came out of that upper room. Amen. Speaking in unknown tongues. That's what the Bible said. Amen. That feast of Pentecost was there. And there were men from all over the known world there to celebrate the feast of Pentecost. And they heard these men, these Galileans, speaking uh, in their native tongue. They said, how do these folks know what our native tongue is? They were glorifying, worshiping God. Amen. They said, what, what is this? And because they couldn't explain it, they said, well, they're drunk. 
I guess if you can't explain something, you just say they're drunk. But that's what they say. These men are drunk. And Peter said, no, they're not drunk like you suppose. Seeing it's about the third hour of the day, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. He went on and preached to them. Amen. And many verses. He ended it in verse 36 by saying, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Amen. He had talked about him being crucified. How they took him and slew the innocent man. And they were guilty of his blood. He said, but God has taken that same Jesus whom you crucified. And he's made him both Lord and Christ. (coughs) And when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And said unto Peter, to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we do? How can we fix this? And their opportunity came. Peter said to them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. The opportunity's here, but you've got to save yourself. The opportunity's right in front of you, but you've got to make a decision. You've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. If you'll do that, then he'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. Amen. It's unto you. That promise is yours. Everyone in this place this hour this morning, the promise is yours. It belongs to you. And the opportunity's there. But you've got to save yourself. Then they that gladly received his word, those that took advantage of the opportunity that was in front of them, they were baptized. The same day they were added unto them about three thousand souls the opportunity arose opportunity came knocking if you would and there were some folks that opened that door up and said "Uh uh-huh that's what I want that's what I need and I'm telling you it is available in this house today amen the Holy Ghost was not just for the book of Acts amen but it's for the church of the living God it's to whoever will come the promise is unto you your children and all that are afar off If I can say it this way, I believe in this morning in this place that God is calling every one of our names. He's calling your name. And the opportunity is laid out in front of us. But it's up to each and every one of us what we will do with this opportunity. In this place this morning, there's an opportunity for God to change my life. Amen. It's an opportunity for God to change our lives. It's an opportunity for God to heal us. If you need a healing, whether it's a physical healing or mental, he's a healer of the emotions. He's a healer. In fact, he he got up and read the Bible one day in in an assembly. And one of the things that he read, he said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted to heal that that broken heart. I'm telling you, we live in a world that loves to break hearts. We live in a world that oftentimes folks are more wrapped up in themselves and their own 
ideas than they are anything else. And it's a, it's a very good opportunity to break somebody's heart. But if you've walked in this house today with a, with a broken heart, I want to tell you that the opportunity is here for Jesus Christ to heal that broken heart. There's an opportunity in this place to leave here with joy that you never imagined, to leave with peace, amen. No matter what the circumstances of life, no matter the trials and, the, and like I said, the heartaches, I want to tell you that he's able to bring peace into that situation right now. He's able to bring contentment. He's able to bring fulfillment. The opportunity is in this place right now. I believe it is the opportunity of a lifetime. No, maybe Sam Walton's not here offering you a piece of his business for just a couple thousand dollars. But I want to tell you something. There's an opportunity in this place that can make the difference in your eternity. Amen. It's a difference between going to a place of torment and going to a place, amen, where we'll be forever happy, where there's always joy and peace, where there is no suffering, where tears are wiped away. There's no hurts. There's no broken hearts anymore. Amen. All it is is worshiping God and magnifying Him. Amen. A place of life. That opportunity is right here today. Amen. All that He asks of us is that we would repent of our sins. And if we will confess our sins, the Bible says that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. That's what He's asking of us today. If there's something in our life that ought not to be there, that we would find some place where we could repent. Amen. And He will forgive us if we will repent. Amen. And if you've ever been baptized... Amen. we got to be baptized in Jesus' name as the, uh, as the apostles stood up and said that day as Peter preached. Uh, we've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, amen. For the remission of those sins. Peter went on Acts chapter 4. They was, he had healed the blind, that, that lame man in Acts chapter 3. And they said, how did you do this? He said, by the name of Jesus Christ. For it is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. We've got to be saved in His name. Jesus Christ is the door. He is the way. He is that pathway to salvation. And there is no other way. It's through His name. We've got to repent. We've got to be baptized in His name. For we're buried with Him by baptism. And in the Bible, the promise was that He would fill us with the Holy Ghost. That if we would repent and be baptized, that He shall fill us with that Holy Ghost. With that evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue. Amen. As that Spirit literally takes up residence in this old flesh. Amen. And He begins to live inside of us. He'll bring that power. He'll bring that peace. He'll bring that strength. And the opportunity is here today. Stand with me this morning. Amen. One last verse of Scripture in Isaiah 55 and verse 6. Prophet Isaiah said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. We've got to seek him while he can still be found. We've got to call upon Him while He is near. It wouldn't do Bartimaeus any good to yell if Jesus wasn't passing by. It would have done that woman no good to go looking for Him if He wasn't in the area. But because He was passing by, amen, they were able to get His attention and leave with their need met. 
Amen. Jacob got his need met because there was that man wrestling with him. And he wouldn't let him go till he blessed him. Amen. He fought till his blessing came. And those others, they yelled. They screamed. They fought through the crowd. They did what they had to do to get his attention. Because an opportunity was walking down the street. Amen. Those disciples and those other ones that were in that upper room. Amen. Jesus said, go tarry ye there. And so they were obedient to his word and went and tarried and waited for that promise. Amen. And finally that day came when the promise fell on those that took advantage of that opportunity. Amen. The answer to your needs in this house this morning. The opportunities here. I will say this, that it's up to each and every one of us what we're going to do with the opportunity that Jesus has set in front of us right now. Are we going to cry out for mercy? Are we going to reach out and touch him as he passes by? Are we going to carry our need to him, bring it to him, and lay it at his feet? The opportunity is here. Today, are you going to walk out the door with a realized opportunity? Or will you regret tomorrow that you wasted an opportunity to receive a touch from the Lord? doesn't matter to me one bit if this is the first time you've ever been here or if you've been here for years. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to God. Amen. He doesn't matter how long we've been here. All he matters is that he wants to meet your need. He wants to touch you. He wants to change your life. He wants to make you happy. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you joy. He wants to, he wants to do all these things for us. He wants to heal. He wants to heal your mind. He wants to heal your emotion. He wants to heal your body. If you need a, a physical healing, he is here to do that. He is our healer. Amen. The opportunity is here. But the question is, what will we do with the opportunity? What will we do today? Amen. This altar's open if you'd like to come and carry your need to one of these altars and just lay it down at his feet. Amen. If you need to find a place of repentance, won't you come and seek the Lord? If you need salvation, won't you cry out to him? Amen. If you want that broken heart to be bound up today, if you want to find healing for that broken heart, won't you please come and talk to the Lord? Won't you find a place where you can reach out to him while he passes by? We've got to reach out to him while he is near call out to him today don't worry about those around you don't worry about who can hear you just cry out to God oh I need you right now Lord I need your touch God I need a brand new touch I need a healing God I need a blessing Lord I need you right now Jesus I'm not going to waste this opportunity, but somehow I'm going to reach out and get a hold of the hem of your garment. Somehow I'm going to reach out and touch you today. I don't want to waste this opportunity. I'm not going to wait for a time that's more convenient to my plan. But God, right now, I'm going to reach out to you. I'm not going to let myself be almost persuaded. But God, I'm going to be persuaded.